December 4th, 2022, you are live with Counterspin Media, Free NZ, supported by United Free Press in this collaborative effort as we bring you an action-packed show we call The Truthathon. Yes, and of course, this is all for Baby Will because we are Will and Will is us. Liz, this has been an amazing collaboration. I'm going to throw it over to you. It's wonderful to have had your support. We've been so busy in the with the with the hospital and the babies and supporting Sam and Cole and doing those stories each day this week. And Countess Ben, I really want to give you credit for carrying the doing the heavy lifting on getting this 12-hour show underway. Why are we here? Well, I want to quote from a man who worked for Maori television, Steve, Steve Snoopman Edwards from an article he wrote, A Thin Red Line in the Battle of Blood. And this is what he says at the end of this article. He's talking about being outside the court the other day where the family were trying to defend their right as responsible parents to make their decisions for their baby. He says earlier outside the courtroom, when I asked Will's mother why she was at the Auckland High Court, I expected to hear a summary of the dispute of facts. With Will in a sling watching me, Mrs. Savage Reeves, Sam, answered, I'm here for him because I love him. And I'm here because I'm standing for everyone and New Zealand. He writes, I got dust in my eyes as I looked at the emotion welling up in her eyes while Will's blue eyes watched me and I absorbed what she had just said. I didn't feel the need to prompt any further elaboration. Witnessing the powerful simplicity of her remarkable feminine strength, grace and clarity amid the hubbub of the courthouse corridor, I blurted, I needed to scribble in my notebook what she said so it wouldn't be forgotten. Samantha giggled. And so in this dissident journalist's 75 cent notebook, her words remain a record of her will shared with Cole Reeves for a baby boy called Will. Sam, welcome. It's so wonderful to have you here. And Cole and the big brother of baby Will, Isaiah. I just want to get back to that, Sam. When when you think about this show, I know I said to you earlier, would you like to bless the show with a prayer and that that means a great deal to you and the family? Would you like to begin with a prayer for, yeah, for blessing the show and, and Will and New Zealand? I'd love that, yeah. Um, look, God, I just want to thank you so much for this day. I want to thank you for all the people involved in this. Lord, I want to thank you that um, yeah, you, you go before us and you're, you're actually providing a way. I want to thank you for all the, um, all the wonderful people that are, that are being brought into this, Lord God. And I just pray for protection, divine protection around everyone, around will, and um, just that, yeah, your your will be done, and uh, we give you all the glory because this is about will, but it's also about humanity. So we, and and that is your heartbeat. So Lord, we we thank you in Jesus' name. 
Thank you, Sam. And what does this program mean to you personally, Sam? Oh, wow. We're just so honoured and privileged to be here and that, you know, New Zealand has just r- risen up and just and just become amazing behind behind our boy and we're just, we're, we're actually speechless, does, you know. Um, yeah. could, I, could I cut to you, Isaiah, as Baby Will's big brother? What would you wish for your little brother? What is it that's brought you here to be willing to be on screen today? Oh, well, it's just, you know, he's super special to me. You know, he's cute and I just, I want to see him grow up, you know, and I want him to. And Cole, I think that's something you'd like your son to be a grown man sitting next to you on that bench along with Isaiah. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, that's right. We, you know, we want all of our children to grow up with freedom of choice. We want them all to grow up healthy. We want them to grow up you know, on the land, enjoying, you know, running around. And uh, at the moment, uh, you know, hey, there's, there's people trying to stop that through their own ignorance. Anna, back to you. Thank you, Cole. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm already tearing up and we're only a few minutes in. So um, I don't know what to say. You know, I just like what you're saying, Sam, it's just bringing everybody together and um, if people haven't got behind this for baby Will and for everything that he represents, I'm not sure what will bring everybody together. Calvin, how are you feeling? Don't even get me started. I'll tell you now, um, blokes, we, we have a tougher exterior, but I tell you what, inside we are, when it comes to children, we melt, we melt like uh, snow in the sun. Hannah and Kelvin, would you mind on that note, Kelvin, if I just read a poem or a piece by a man called Mike B that I picked up this morning in his blog. This is from a man. He writes, a man and a woman open themselves and a child is received. What expectations are living in this child? A place to grow, a place he can trust, a place where he'll be nurtured by those who surround him and given what he needs to unfold his life. One baby brings with him an injury to his heart. It can easily be healed, but the times have changed. He is offered blood that his parents know will kill him. His parents fight for his right to go on living, but the nameless ones, the ones with the power, speak with the judgment of a broken system and do all they can to deny his right to live. Now the nameless ones are huddling in corridors asking, how do we go on concealing the truth? There are simple solutions, but they will not consider them as innocence is weighed against corruption and deceit. That's what we're here to change. Let innocence be the winner today and forever for New Zealand and the world from this. So, Liz, um, we, we do have our next guest waiting. Um, before we say, um, or oh, before we bring him on, um, have have Sam and Cole got anything else to add? And then we would like to actually show people Baby Will. We've got a little video um, that your team um, has edited, Liz. So how would you like to go forward? I'd love Cole. I think Sam was feeding the babies when we first came on. Cole, your sound is just blocked. But if you unblock your sound, we'd love your message to everybody for for the program today and what you'd like what you what you'd like to see come from this. Obviously, obviously. Hey, thanks, Liz. We uh, we're just overwhelmed with how the nation and the world is like 
getting behind this. And I mean, hey, they should at the same time, because like you've said, uh, Will is us because he is he is only, you know, the shadow of what is going on. All of us need to have this this uh, right. We all need to be able to be listened to. We all need to be able to uh, have our concerns uh, looked at. And so we need to be, um, you know, heard. And, and I just thank you so much. I thank everyone so much for tuning in. And, uh, mate, all we want to see happening is our baby uh, Ginna's operation with, with the blood that is required to minimize, you know, the risk for him. There's, there's risks in this operation, but, hey, let's minimize one of those risks with this blood that, you know, should be available. Nicole and Sam, I can see you're back. Your phone mm. is also muted, but if you're not with the babies, just for a moment. Your husband said to me on Friday, Sam, you might have to unmute your phone. Um, I know you're trying to juggle twins as well. You're an extraordinary woman. Your husband said to me on Friday that there was one other time when a baby, an enormous call to the world, and there's the call, a call to the world. And, and this baby represents that, Sam. Actually, Cole, I'll go back to you because Sam, I think, is busy. That Can you just, re or Sam, would you like Aww. to say that? We just have to work with you. Do you feel your baby Will is here partly to be a message of awakening, not just to New Zealand, Sam? Well, you know, I always thought um, Will was super special, but now, you know, um, like I said, all of my babies are special, but there's something very unique and, and amazing about um, Will, and it's just unfolding that it just seems to be that way. Yeah, so, yeah. I do. Beautiful, Sam. We, we'll talk to you later on in the show. Thank you both. Hannah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, um, Calvin, just before we bring on our next guest, we'll play the little video. We've got um, the first video that we want to play is um, Baby Will and um, Sam and Cole sharing a few words with us as well. Good idea. Before his heart was diagnosed as a problem, I knew there was something wrong. Yeah. They kept telling me, oh, he's got reflux. I said, no, this is not reflux. Something mm. is wrong. He had two echoes which missed it. And I kept saying, there is something wrong with him. Third echo picked it up. So I knew, I knew there was something wrong. Just like I know now, he cannot have that That's blood. That's right. Yes. You know, a few years ago, none of this would have mattered because there wasn't the problem that there is. Uh, but now... It's critical. It, yeah, it all critical. matters. Yeah. It matters yeah. for everyone in, in our society that they have a, you know, freedom of choice. That's been completely taken away by the governments and the, the so-called powers. Most of us have uh, made a freedom of choice, but this baby doesn't seem to qualify to have freedom of choice. They want to you know, conduct medical experiments on them with unknown results. And we're not prepared for that. You know, we're not prepared to just offer our baby up to experimentation. And, and I know no one else would be. We're standing not only for him, but for all, all of us. But the thing is, we, we have to have something done. I mean, yeah. surgery is meant to be on Tuesday. That's it's Friday now. And they are saying it's urgent. So it mustn't be very urgent to them. Otherwise, they would be like bending over backwards to make it all happen. Hold your final message, maybe to the blood bank head. You have the ability to make anything happen that you want to do with blood. So please do it. 
This baby needs the donor blood, he needs the blood that is pure blood, he needs blood that is the same blood from two years ago which has got no experimental vaccines in it. So please approve the donation and then we can all get down to sorting it out later. Wow, those blue eyes, Calvin. What do you what do you feel when you see? Well, I got blue eyes there? as well, so there's a bit of a synergy there already. Yeah, just amazing, um, Liz. I know Will has certainly found a big place in your heart. Um, would you like to make a comment about Will and how you know you've reacted since meeting him before we bring on Michael? I'd like to, but for a moment, I'd like to um, say the synergy is more with the hairline. I think. <laughs> hey, <Please. laughs> Nature only made so many perfect heads. The rest they had to hide with embarrassment. Well, that's it. <laughs> um, he's a gorgeous boy, and you know every baby is beautiful. But I, from the moment I met, I don't want this to sound in any way cliche because it took me by surprise. It was as if this this enormous um, kind of ocean of soul is in his eyes. He just seemed to be saying, you have work to do, but everybody has work to do. I may have done this story, broken the story, but you know, I was thinking this morning in old journalism, legacy media, everyone's pumped up when, when they break a story. This is not my story, your story, anyone's story. It's all of our story. Every single humane being on this planet needs to stand with this baby because it's also your child, your grandchild, your father, mother, anybody that you love, that you want to see get the best health care. That's, that's it. And then beyond that, Will is standing for free, sovereign human, human beings, free, sovereign humanity. So he's a powerful old soul. That's what I'd say, Hannah. Beautiful. Um, and we've just, uh, we're, we're rolling with the punches this morning. Um, we've had uh, Sue Gray scheduled uh, to come on. She is, of course, the family lawyer. She will be joining us later. Um, and in the meantime, we are going to be joined right now by Michael Zazio. He's actually stayed up late to come on. Um, he's coming from Sweden. He's had meetings with his network. He's part of people uh, yeah, who are obviously in this whole battle all around the world. So uh, welcome to the show, Michael Zazio. Can you please just start with giving us a little bit of a background um, to what you're doing and, and what moved you to come on this live Truthathon this morning? Well, uh, it actually took me uh, just a couple of minutes to make my mind up about it. Uh, I actually sent Sue Gray, the attorney, uh, an email and told her about some of the uh, the foundational uh, information that she should know. And I asked her to join a meeting that we had together with Dr. Rima Labo, James Rogoski and some other people. Um, a little background about myself. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a scientist. I'm a researcher in, researcher in medicine, uh, in audiology, where I'm specialized, uh, hearing imbalance disorders, and infectious medicine. I have been running my private clinic for 25 years, and I have been working in healthcare for 42 years, or a little more than that. Uh, I've been working in somewhere around 15 different specialities. But I also have a legal side. That's the, the rear side of myself. I have been serving as a judge in an international tribunal, uh, in a tribunal court in Canada. I have been for 20 years, been uh, working as a legal representative and a defender uh, 
mainly defending healthcare staff and children. So I'm right now working with several cases, including children, or rather based on, I would call it uh, intimidation uh, aimed at, towards uh, parents and uh, where the uh, Child Protective Services trying to intimidate the parents uh, and they are also planning on taking the children uh, the custody away from the parents and we have i have been actually a legal representative in cases very similar to this some years ago at least one so this is my background that's fascinating michael has there though ever been a case like this where parents are not just coming up to the standard set by the government or by the government bodies, but actually setting their own standards, saying we need a much higher standard of health care. And then we find the government saying, oh, no, you're exceeding the standards and therefore we're going to take the baby from you. Normally it's the, the, the state steps in when there is grave negligence by a parent, but not in a case like this. Have you ever come across something like this? Yes. I really? Think yeah, yes. Wow. But not regarding COVID-19. But the thing is, uh, negligence is, uh, I think, the healthcare system and the, the Child Protective Service and the court system uh, is uh, has a pronounced negligence, which is very obvious. Uh, the medical sphere, uh, I specialize in audiology, and I have developed uh, a treatment method, uh, which is the far most best one in the world. It's actually, if you uh, make a comparison, it's more than 30 times better than the second best one. And this one was published 12 years ago, my study on the Medline. And But the system, and I, I've been lecturing abroad. I've been uh, educating doctors from Spain, from Turkey and India, where I've been working for almost two years. Uh, the healthcare system is not interested in change. The healthcare system wants to maintain status quo because it's so easy to work it out that way. You don't have to learn new things. You don't have to get new apparatus, new devices. You don't have to make any changes to uh, the institutional sphere where you're working. To uh, You don't have to develop yourself. You can just rely on what you once learned during uh, during your studies at the university. And this does not support uh, the protection, neither for children nor uh, adult patients in the clinics. Uh, you have to con uh, do no harm. This is the most important thing, but it's highly ne neglected by the, the, the healthcare staff. Uh, it is extremely important to get the knowledge. If you compare people who can read and cannot read, there's no difference mm -hmm. if you don't give them a book. That's what this program is about, seeking to give information so the doctors who are stopping Will's operation will become educated. Because, Michael, when I was in the meeting as the advocate for these parents and the surgeon was saying, I simply do not believe there's any problem with the blood. I could not get past that. It was like a wall. You, therefore, must have dealt with that. How do you get past that well, sort of intransigence? We're working right now, uh, approaching the government in Sweden. We have uh, made statements. We have uh, 
put forward requests to the government, to the uh, agencies, and to the healthcare system as well as the municipalities. Um, they have probably listened to us because there has been changes, but not the amount of changes that we really have uh, vouched for. Uh, I can tell you some backgrounds, uh, some medical aspects about the COVID-19 mRNA vaccine spike proteins. They attach to two receptor sites, the ACE2 receptor sites and the CD147 receptor site. Most people don't know anything about the CD147 receptor site. Those sites are found on the red blood cells, the platelets, in the lymph nodes, on the lymph, uh, lymphocytes, and on the leukocytes. Those two latter ones are white blood cells. This means that the mRNA spike protein will formally litter those bodies in the blood, all of them. The ACE2 receptors are found in almost all internal organs, well, in all internal organs and they are being littered with spike proteins and they're causing tremendous inflammation. And here we have a baby with a heart condition. We know infl inflammation of the heart is implicated big time with any, any situation where this vaccine, this jab has been involved. What's your advice to that doctor, that surgeon, who wouldn't listen in the meeting with the parents but may well now be listening to what you say. What's your advice well, to them? My advice is to guarantee that any substance that is put into an unvaccinated <clears throat> child or adult or whomever must be from a donor who is unvaccinated. Uh, pathologists all over the world, even here in Sweden, I have uh, one very interesting contact here in Sweden and some in the United States and some in Germany. They have found horrible evidence for internal damage, death. This is probably, and I want everybody to listen, this will probably cause an earlier death among all COVID-19 mRNA vaccinated individuals all over the world. It's just a question of time. Um, we are seeing uh, an extreme increase in cancer diseases. We are seeing horrible clotting. And not only that, but we are also seeing ruptures in aortas. And this is caused by the spike proteins and the inflammation processes that are, that are taking place in organs, in blood vessels, everywhere in the body. So my recommendation to all doctors who are working in healthcare, still working in healthcare, I would say, some of them left because of this, do make sure that the individuals that you treat who are unvaccinated will not be infected the thing is that those doctors who are infected themselves, or rather jabbed, vaccinated, they are contagious. They can infect anyone that they meet and see. We have to in the future, and I would say we would, would have to start right now, not only with blood donorship, but also in all institutions within the medical field, 
we must diversify it, split it into two sections, one for the unvaccinated and one for the vaccinated. In the United Kingdom, there is actually uh, the statistical uh, agency there uh, produced uh, produced statistical material and they published uh, a report some months ago, half a year ago, that concluded that double vaccinated, COVID-19 vaccinated children died 52 times more than the non-vaccinated children. It's extraordinary wow. the the extent wow. of the lie. And for some people, Michael, this will be melting their their psyches down right now because they believed we had incessant propaganda from this prime minister in New oh, Zealand. Yes. Incessant. How how can we also support those who want to support baby Will, who are part of us, and, and we want to offer them not despair, but some hope. Are there protocols that you've found that can help where this, where they believe the government and the lies? I haven't seen any protocol. I haven't got any verification of anything that can really save lives. Uh, it could prolong life, but it can't save life. The damage is done once you get jabbed. However, uh, when it comes to the children, I would like to point out that we have ratified conventions, even in New Zealand. <laughs> and uh, what is important there is the Convention on the Rights of the Child, which was ratified in 1993 by uh, the New Zealand government. And uh, let me read some of the articles from this convention. Uh, Article 3, in all actions concerning children, whether untaken by public or private social welfare institutions, courts of law, administrative authorities, or legislative bodies, the best interest of the child shall be a primary consideration. If you, um, if you give uh, blood from a donor, which is COVID-19 vaccinated, with the knowledge that we have now, there are no studies on blood from donors that are vaccinated so far, but there will be not far from now. It could not be in the best interest of the child and to give such blood to a Horrifyingly, child. we believe that while the baby will story was all over the headlines, the government quietly introduced an amendment allowing our New Zealand babies from six months old to five years to be jabbed. Could they are they yeah. are politicians. They are not medical researchers mm. with open eyes. They are politicians. They don't know anything about medicine. They shouldn't take those decisions. Thank you. That was the message that I wanted you to send to Jacinda Ardern. I think you've just given it. And finally, do you feel the Baby Will case is reverberating now around the world as a case not just for New Zealand, but for all beings in the world who want sovereignty and freedom and truth? Yes, this is taking place all over the world. Uh, this is a, I would say it's a contagion. It's a disease in itself where politicians are uh, joining forces with other politicians who are driving this. Uh, it's, it's real stupidity. But My question, though, Michael, was do you feel this baby will case could be a seminal turning point for the world? Because we yes. feel here in New Zealand... It, yes, it is I starting think, to be I there. think so. I think so. Uh, I actually saw uh, an article about this child uh, this morning. I didn't know it was about that, that we were having a meeting uh, with Rima Labo and James Wagoski. 
uh, an hour ago, <laughs> a little more than that, but that's when we started. Uh, so when they brought this issue up and I saw the picture, then, aha, I've seen this. So I think this is going to be a turning point in, uh, in a sense. And I really hope that uh, people around the world who have knowledge in this field will open will open their eyes and will just like Steve Kirsch, who is <laughs> coming on the show. Hi, Steve. Yes. Uh, uh, I hope that people will join forces with other people who are interested in saving humanity, because that's what we need to do. Uh, as I told you, the ACE2 receptors and the CD147 receptors, uh, the spike protein attaches to both. They both infect the internal organs and the blood. I think that's kind of a proof when it comes to proving it's a crime committed here. And um, people uh, who are working in healthcare, uh, especially pathologists, start doing the autopsies. You're going to be amazed what you, about what you're finding, but you might lose your job. Actually, on that, I think we need to, there's a lot of doubt being planted in mainstream media about these clots. Could you, before you go, just elaborate on the horrors you're hearing about from autopsies of people who have taken this jab, trusting their governments? Yes, I've seen a lot. Of course, I've seen most uh, things from the United Kingdom and from uh, the United States, uh, the embalmers and their work. But I've also seen uh, photos from uh, one pathologist working here in Sweden, and it is horrible. I have seen blood that does not contain any red blood cells in patients still alive. What is going on? We know that when uh, fibrinogen is part of the clothing process in a natural blood, and we know that those spike proteins are causing clots, even if there's no fibrinogen available. This is horrible. Wow. Michael, I was Let told one last thing. I was told yesterday by a woman whose friend has been a, don a blood donor for years. She's done three recently, and each one has made her very ill because she's found out they're adding in New Zealand anticoagulant to the injection before it, it goes in to pull the blood out so that the blood will not be so heavy and sticky from the vaccinated people that it will actually come in to the, in, the injection that they're trying to pull the blood with. And she said because she's unjabbed, it makes her heart, it really affects her heart health. Have you heard of anything like that, that it is now standard procedure? We understand and we'd like to check this with NZ Blood and question you on it that anticoagulant is being added because they know the viscosity of the blood is too much to easily move out. The producers started to do this when they uh, implemented this uh, vaccine uh, to be given to children. Then they added it so that they wouldn't get as much clotting in children as in the adults previously. Uh, so, And then, of course, they have continued to do so uh, to not get the clotting in, uh, during the first days, first two weeks. But this is not uh, a short-term process. This is a long-term process. You will get clotting for years. You will get infections, inflammations for years. And when you have severe inflammations, which you will have here, uh, people will have ruptures 
in their blood vessels, in arteries, in veins. They will have uh, damaged liver, uh, kidneys, brain, whatever organ you mention. This is a long-term effect as well, and it's going to get worse and worse, and more and more people are going to die. We've just seen the start now, and a year and a half ago, I made a calculation based on uh, recent research those days, and I calculated that we would get a, a severe increase of deaths among those first jabbed uh, fall 2022. It looks like I was right. And I just made a mathematical calculation. Very simple. Michael, it's been a real honor to talk to you. We do, as you said, have Steve Kirsch waiting and Matt Shelton is going to interview him with me, which will be as my co-host for this section. But Michael, we have been lied to, horrifically oh, yes. lied to yes. by governments around the world, haven't we? Yes, we have. And that was the uh, one of the reasons why I joined this uh, tribunal court in Canada. We actually passed a sentence on the 29th of November where we sentenced the uh, big pharma, uh, the CEOs and the boards. We sentenced a lot of people to be incarcerated for in between 30 years, and uh, 10 years and lifetime. And it included the 5G system. And it's been proven now that the 5G system affects those who are jabbed beyond and, that. And that is a very rich interview, but perhaps for another day, it's been a real honor having you on this show. And as much as it's shocking, the truth is always liberating in the end. Thank you. Thank you so I'll much. Do for what I, I'll do what I can to save humanity and for human rights. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. And Hannah, back to you, if, if we can introduce um, the next one. That was shocking. What did you both think listening to what he had to say? Oh, it's 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 just great, actually, that all these amazing uh, experts from around the world have joined us. I really hope that uh, if you're watching for the first time, you are sharing this link far and wide. Um, and we do have some amazing guests coming up. So um, please stay tuned. This is really, really important information that you won't find on the mainstream. Calvin, what did you think? And uh, who have we got coming up? Medical tyranny and corruption is reigning supreme on this planet. And it's time it was stamped out. And this is the only way to do it. We take the message directly to you, the public, bypass the mainstream media, um, legacy lens, and of course, a direct challenge to the official narrative. All right, Liz, well, we'll throw back to you. And um, after this next interview, we will come back with a short video of the mainstream media and how they've been reporting on this issue this week. I'm going to go to Steve Kirsch. I think we're having a little bit of an issue getting Matt Shelton. Steve Kirsch, welcome. Uh, thanks, Liz. It's uh, good to be here. I'm uh, uh, Right now I'm sitting in a hotel in Queenstown. Oh, it's an honor to have you in New Zealand. You've been an early mover on telling the truth as somebody who's been looked up to for, for a long time from those of us trying to work out the lies from what really should be being told to the people. What first alerted you to how enormously egregious this whole thing was, Steve? What first woke you up? Because there'll be people watching who will have just been woken up by that last interview and in shock, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I had subscribed to the safe and effective uh, narrative. I had been doubly vaccinated. So I got my first Moderna shot in early March and my uh, second Moderna shot uh, at the end of March. And about a month later, I got a message on Twitter 
from one of my followers uh, who asked me if the vaccine was safe. And I said, of course it's safe. This is the safest vaccine ever. And, you know, I'm just repeating the narrative that I had heard and people believe. And she said, and, and I said, why are you asking me such a, and I didn't say this, but I, you know, why are you asking me such a dumb question? Like everybody knows how safe it is. And she said, well, three of my relatives uh, got the vaccine and they were perfectly healthy and all three of them died within a week after getting the vaccine. And they're perfectly healthy before that. And um, I, I, so this was a, a, a shock to me. Um, yes. And 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 I, um, <laughs> it, it, this was this was sort of the moment where I started to question whether what I was being told was correct. But but the first thing was to whether I believed what she was saying to me. And so at first I um, I didn't, and I said I told her, well that's impossible, because the vaccine doesn't kill anyone, and the statistical odds of three people dying at the same time in your family is you know astronomically high, um, or astronomically low actually. Um, and she, and she came back and she said, yeah, but they're dead, and and I didn't have a comeback on that one, uh, but then a week later my carpet cleaner shows up at, at my door to, to clean my carpets. And we were getting very, this is during COVID lockdown. So we're getting very few vendors uh, coming to our house. So he was just one of the very few people. Um, and so he's wearing a mask and I'm giving a hard time. I said, Hey, haven't you got the message that if you get vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. So I am like totally hook, line and sinker telling the narrative, even after the three deaths. And so he said to me, well, I was only able to get one shot because I had a heart attack two minutes after getting the shot. And I spent the night in the hospital and I've been in excruciating pain ever since. And they told me never to get another shot. And and uh, so I couldn't get the second shot. So I'm wearing a mask. And, wow. and and then I found out that his wife also sustained a vaccine injury. She had uh, neurological issues for uh, about four months after she got vaccinated in the arm that she got vaccinated in. So that was basically too many uh, what I'll call black swan events uh, for a lifetime. Now, they'd only be black swan events if the vaccines are safe and effective. So either I am the unluckiest guy in the entire world or there's something very seriously wrong with these vaccines. So I started looking at the data and uh, instead of trusting people. So I started with the VARES data, and the VARES is, of course, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, uh, which is a system that we use in the U.S. as the official government uh, tracking system for adverse events. And I was appalled by what I, what I saw. I saw the most dangerous vaccine uh, ever created. I saw a vaccine that's just literally killing thousands of people. And I was just amazed that the government was ignoring all these safety uh, signals. I mean, there are safety signals in thousands of adverse events that the government should have warned people about. So as soon as I looked at that database, it was very clear what was going on that we were being lied to. I mean, you didn't have to 
to to go much further than that. So I I started writing up. I wrote about two hundred fifty page article, um, and I published it in Trial Site News in May on May twenty fifth, um, of twenty twenty one, and and that was the start of my career, uh, at my new career as a uh, we'll quote misinformation spreader, and so. So now I'm honored to be the world's number one misinformation super spreader, according to Google. So if you do a search for um, misinformation super spreader, you don't have to type in COVID. You just type in misinformation super spreader. And I am generally the top hit or I'm I'm the second to the top hit. And my friend Joe Mercola would be the uh, the top hit. But see, he got. Uh, the, the New York Times did a big hit piece on him, so he got higher rankings in, in Google uh, <laughs> that's, for a while. That's quite an honor. Those of us who know we live in an upside-down world know what that means. It means very, you are I'm trusted. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, very. and I get, I get recognized everywhere. My, 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 I'm on vacation uh, to Australia. I went to we, we were in Sydney and and uh, and now in New Zealand. And you know, I got recognized when I was boarding uh, the the plane when I was checking in. Someone at the the airline ticket counter uh, recognized me. And when we had dinner uh, last night at a, a, a Thai restaurant um, in town, um, somebody uh, left their their table and they were on their way out and said, are you Steve Kirsch? I want to really <laughs> thank you for, for this. So he was actually instrumental in helping to connect me. And this is uh, uh, one of the reasons we're having this conversation today. It's wonderful to have you here outside the court the other day. I asked three mainstream reporters, were they aware in a population of 5 million, how many officially registered jab-injured Kiwis there are on the MedSafe website? Not one of those three had any idea. There are nearly 70,000 jab-injured Kiwis, and that's what woke me up, a prime minister who never mentioned the vastly growing numbers of jab-injured Kiwis officially registered, and yet told us day in, day out it was safe and effective while these injury numbers were growing. That that was the hit over the head for me. I'm just going to see if Matt Shelton is able to come on. We were going to host this. Matt, has your link? Can you just speak? Can yeah, you just, can you hear me? Ah, great. Welcome, Matt. Lovely to have you here. Hey, so hi, guys. You and I are co-hosting this little segment, but we yeah, we're just uh, just struggling uh, there a little bit. We're struggling with that. that so we'll keep going, Steve, um, because it's an honour to have you here. We might so have to. Let's cut to the Will story. What do you believe, Steve, this story, this story really means? So I, I've i just been, uh, when I was searching my email looking for the Zoom link, I, I, I ran across the baby Will story, but I haven't looked into it. I uh, It's a four-month-old who... Uh, somehow got a transfusion and and now has uh, uh, issues. No, that's what we're hoping will not happen. It's a four-month-old whose parents are brave enough to say we will not have open-heart surgery if the only blood available in New Zealand is from the NZ blood, which offers uh, mixed blood. It may be unjabbed, it may be jabbed, but they will not differentiate. So the parents say there will be a risk in the blood for this open heart surgery. And for that, the New Zealand okay. government is taking them to court. Liz, I just want to let you know that Matt is now on. So Matt, we can bring you on now. Great. Welcome, Matt. A few little technical difficulties. Morning, all. What is it about Steve that you really, that you most admire as a GP, as somebody who has had that taken from him? Yes, but who remains fervent about good medicine, Matt Shelton? Uh, well, I guess the, the enduring image will be Steve in a gas mask. Um, in Congress, uh, I think I, I think for many of us, 
that's that's um you know that, that that's a high point um you know sticking it to the man and and i i'd certainly like to well thanks steve first of all for his amazing work um yeah. his speaking truth to power his his voracious appetite for the data and, and what it says but i'd like to know steve um you know what do you make of your experiences um you know trying to get any any dialogue any response from from the regulators uh, and the politicians and the fda officials and everybody um because this sort of lockstep silence is certainly something we know very well um there's just a determination to give none of what we say any oxygen at all and i'm wondering what you make of it well matt i have been trying my hardest and i try really hard i mean i go to people's houses and knock on doors and i can't get anybody to respond to me even dangling a million dollars for a four-hour debate i dangled a million dollars and i said look you know you know if only one of you take me up on it you get the whole million dollars if four of you take me up on it then you only get a quarter of a million dollars each and I offered it to the uh, members of the CDC and the FDA outside committees, and none of them were interested. So then I upped the offer. I said, okay, what will it take? How much money do I need to spend to get four hours of your time so we can have a conversation? And the answer is, we're not interested at any level of compensation. You cannot pay us enough for us to engage with you even for a nanosecond. You know, so these people are camera shy. They're not camera shy when CNN calls them, but they're instantly camera shy when somebody who knows what they're talking about wants to have a conversation with them. Now, how many people do you know would refuse a a, a four-hour conversation for a million dollars on any topic? I like, like, I mean, that's incredible. So, Steve, if I could get the Prime Minister of New Zealand and the head of the Medical Council, Joan Simeon, and Dr. Nikki Turner, who pushes the jabs endlessly and conflates facts and makes it very confusing in mainstream media, if those three would come on with a debate for with you for a million dollars, would you be up for that? And I'll uh, raise uh, the million. I'm uh, sure. Yeah, you know, great. No, no, no problem. You know, they, they'll they'll refuse that because they'll say, well, we can't be bribed. And, you know, so they'll they'll have all sorts of reasons why they will turn you down. So it's actually better not to offer them um, the money, but just to say, hey, here's your opportunity to um, deplatform or discredit the world's number one misinformation super spreader. You know, you can use facts and evidence at your disposal in order to discredit this guy and you'd be doing a tremendous public service because he's followed by millions of people throughout the world and if you discredit him then all the other guys you know will fall in line so you'd be doing a tremendous public service in reducing vaccine hesitancy because nobody in the u.s wants to debate this guy isn't it amazing Matt, what else? What else strikes you about Steve's extraordinary work? Well, I mean, he seems like a pussycat to me. I mean, why wouldn't want to talk to him? Um, I mean, I, <laughs> no. I, 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 I'd happily. Well, I, I wouldn't. I was just thinking there. Would I take the other side? You know, of, of the argument, just try and get a million bucks. And, and I mean, I, I, I couldn't do it because, you know, as you know, we're all up to our neck in 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 in, in data and research 
um, and, and, and dealing face to face with the heartbreaking stories of, of, you know, families that have lost loved ones and all the vaccines that have been completely, um, you know, lo- locked away by the mainstream media. And, and yet they're there and they're growing, too, as a, as a you know, as an angry um, kind of political force, I think. Um, Very much so. And we're talking about one of those cases, really trying to get the people in hospital who would not listen to the parents, Steve, to listen to facts about the dangers of putting this mixed blood that has not been screened when the parents want unjabbed blood for their baby in the heart operation, putting this into a baby who is only four months old. What is your research showing about the dangers specifically for children and young babies? Well, you know, we don't know. I have not heard of a case where you have a, a an infant uh, receiving uh, possibly contain you know blood from someone who's been vaccinated, and and you know it, it it could make a difference as to how long ago that that person was vaccinated. Uh, but the screening, I don't know that there's any screening. I haven't heard that there's any screening at all um, for the blood. I mean. Look, when you die and there's an autopsy, the the uh, the coroner, the medical examiner, uh, they don't none of them uh, screen for whether the vaccine caused the death. And there's some relatively straightforward blood tests, but there's only one guy that I know of in the United States doing those tests, and that's Dr. Ryan Cole. And in every single instance where he's done the test, he's found that the vaccine is implicated in the death. Now, so none of the none of the other people doing autopsies are even doing those tests. So they're not even, you know, kind of seeing why people died. And it's unlikely that they're going to be doing any kind of screening um, for the, the, the blood. Uh, and and I, I'm not even aware of what what screenings can be done for uh, for live blood, because the uh, the screenings that are done in autopsies are, are tissue samples. Maybe maybe Matt knows if there's a way to actually. Uh, screen the blood. I mean, you could probably actually look at it under a dark field microscope and see the difference. Uh, but I don't know how uh, reliable uh, that is. I've seen conflicting data uh, on that. And I haven't really had a chance to to delve into it. But but people look at dark field microscopy as something of a black art. It's not really respected in the mainstream medical community, and uh, and so it's a it's a little bit of a uh, of an issue in, in terms of whether that's a reliable indicator. Um, I, I'm curious, Matt, do you, have, do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, you'd need um, scanning electron microscopy, tunnel electron microscopy to actually see spike protein um, because it's so small. Um, but I mean, just at the moment, there's a story blowing in the UK about the um, the 40 years it's taken for uh, to get a public inquiry into the contaminated blood um, uh, with, with HIV um, that started in the 70s. Um, and it was raised as a question in, in the, the early 80s. And of course, there were thousands of people that went on to die from HIV, um, hemophiliacs and other people who were given contaminated blood. And the cover up's gone on for decades. And only now, 40 years later, is there an acknowledgement um, at government level um, that, that there was an issue um, and that people, including, um, you know, a mainstream newspaper at the time, tried to blow the issue and, and, and they just received that they were ignored and stonewalled and blockaded. Um, and, I, and I would I would hate us to be having this conversation in, in you know another 30, 40 years and saying, you know, at last we're exonerated. So there are precedents there for sure. Uh, and we all know that that political expediency um uh, you know is, is very powerful. But I would just like like to ask you, Steve, have you had anybody um like approach you unofficially from inside CDC, FDA, anyone, and kind of 
you know, come to you and say, look, my heart is breaking with what I'm seeing. I can't give my name, but, but, you know, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, what, what you think you're seeing is actually the truth. Yeah. Um, there was a case where someone, a, a pediatrician at uh, Stanford um, uh, uh, University uh, came uh, and approached my wife and said, hey, you know, you, your husband's on a whack job. I just want you, wanted to let you know that. Don't tell him who, who I am because uh, I don't, uh, I can't be exposed. If, if they knew I was calling you, I would be fired and I can't be fired because I'm the sole breadwinner of my family. But I just wanted to let you know that your husband's not crazy. And, you know, so that's about as good as it gets. The, the problem with the CDC, and I recently learned this, the problem with the CDC is there are 10,000 employees of the CDC and only 300 of them uh, went for a vaccine waiver, just 300 out of 10,000. So only a few percent are, and they may have done it just because they had a medical reason or or, or something else. So, you know, we I don't know what the, the stats are, but just 300 of the 10,000 people that work at the CDC. And the way that people work at the CDC is they all follow orders. It's all top down and it's all compartmentalized. So there's no like office cooler talk People are now working from home, so they're all isolated, and they're told, do this, do this, do this, and they are instructed what to do, and and look, if you don't like that style, it's it's like military style. It's do this, do this, and you know, let me know the results, and you're not allowed to argue or uh, talk back, and if, so if you're into that military style sort of command and control, then the CDC is the place for you, and anybody who's an independent thinker is going to leave. And this one person that I talked to at the CDC was was kind of an independent thinker. She's, and she's getting pretty frustrated um, with what's been going on because she's bringing up these things like, you know, hey, there's tremendous evidence that we're wrong here. And it's like nobody's paying we're attention to her. Just she's just completely marginalized. You're watching on from America or you have been now that you're in New Zealand. You're, you're right in amongst it. But you've been watching the Jacinda Ardern response. What's been your feeling about the New Zealand? response has it been lockstep or has it been to your mind worse or better what have you seen steve the, uh, the response to what to the the covid 19 uh, response the rollout the way it's been enforced and the uh, propaganda oh i think it new, new zealand has got to be worse than the, the united states and australia's mm. as well um and i think there may be sort of uh uh lights of hope in in some isolated uh uh areas uh, but but in general, uh, New Zealand and Australia has really been pretty bad. Um, yeah. in turn, like, I wouldn't want to live there. And, you know, my wife is coming here. She's looking at the beautiful scenery in New Zealand. And she says, wow, this is so awesome. And, you know, the people are friendly. And, and so she has no idea what's going on in Wellington, you know, because that's like, you know, we, we go from Auckland uh, uh, down to uh, uh, we're in, we're in uh, Queenstown now, and and uh, uh, you know we we just skip over we totally skip over Wellington. I think like most tourists, and so you have no idea of the politics of of what's going on. And I'm telling her, you know, hey, don't don't sell the house uh, too soon here because you know it it looks good uh, as a tourist, but I but if you live here, uh, people are pretty appalled about what's going on in the government and the government isn't listening to the people at all and they're not allowing any open debates and it's just like in the united states you know i can't get a politician 
to to talk to me about this to, to save my life. And the politicians that I have uh, talked with um, over the over decades, um, they won't talk to me anymore. And you know, one of them, Ro Khanna, and Ro Khanna is actually uh, called out in this this uh, Twitter uh, thing that you know all these uh, tweets uh, coming out from Matt Tabibi about uh, what's happening with the Hunter Biden uh, uh, case and so forth. And the the only congressman that's mentioned in that tweet storm so far is Ro Khanna. And he's writing in to say, to say, hey, you know, you guys better watch out here because you're violating the First Amendment and so forth. So Ro Khanna is acting as a, you know, a voice of reason here. And I, uh, you know, I'm, I've been, I had been a supporter of Ro Khanna. And he said, well, talk to my staffer first about your concerns. And so I talked to a staffer and the staffer says, well, I didn't read anything you wrote because it disagrees with what the CDC said. So I ignored it. And so we have nothing to talk about. And, you know, that's the kind of mentality they have in D.C. They basically trust the authorities and all these members of Congress then think that if you speak uh, against what uh, the CDC or the FDA says, that you must be a nutcase and completely, you know, off, off you know, you, you basically not credible. And so they won't give you the time of day. And that was exactly what happened in the meeting with the parents that I was in, Steve. They basically um, called it science fiction, one of the doctors, their reservations about having jabbed blood. They they said it sounds like science fiction and uh, simply discounted it and walked out of the room when we quietly but persistently said, no, you must listen to the parents. Above all, this case seems to be about freedom of choice. It is crucial when when it comes to something so uncertain, the, the results um, we were hearing before from Michael will come out in the coming years. It seems that the precautionary principle is really all we're left with. Would you agree with that, Steve, while we w- await the, the outcomes, the real outcomes with time of this experiment on the human population? Yeah. You know, I think we've gone beyond the precautionary principle of medicine here. You know, the precautionary principle says that, hey, if there's some doubt here, you you know, you shouldn't do it. Like if if you've got an intervention, I mean, especially for kids, I mean, you've got to be kidding me. You know, the, the death rate for kids, if you get COVID and you're a kid, you have a well about a one in a million chance of dying. And that's only if you get COVID. Now, most kids have gotten COVID already and they didn't die. And so the risk of them dying on a second infection is even less. And for us to give any kid uh, a, a, a an experiment, a, a effectively an experimental uh, drug that um, has not been properly tested, uh, where there's the, the VAERS numbers for deaths are sky high, out of sight, unbelievably high. I mean, for cars, if you have two people die um, from a car defect, the car manufacturer will pull the car from the market. And that's because the car manufacturers have liability issues. You know, they have to do that. But for the vaccine in the United States, there's no liability for the drug manufacturer. It's like one of the very few products that that you can get that they're totally protected from liability. And that's because the vaccine makers strong-armed the government and said, hey, unless you give us liability protection, we're not going to make the drugs. And so the government said, okay, okay, fine, you win. You know, we'll give you liability protection. That was a crazy, stupid thing to do. And 
that's the reason we have liability protection, not because vaccines are the, you know, the special category of science that says, hey, manufacturers should be protected from liability. It's because they were they controlled the market. There were there were like four drug companies at the time that controlled the market. And they basically said, hey, unless you do give us liability protection, um, we're, we're done. And so that is what keeps this thing going. And, uh, you know, if you drop the liability protection in New Zealand in a heartbeat, the drug manufacturers would be pulling their products from the market. And that should tell you everything you need to know, shouldn't it? That's an incredibly strong answer. Matt, last question to you, my co-host on this section. Well, actually, I'd just like to thank Steve for dropping, you know, some basically ethics 101 truth bombs um, that, you know, many doctors would be, uh, you know, wise to 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 listen to and reflect on. Um, you know, it's it's one of the things that confounds us all, actually, is is how, um, you know, the, these these basic simple facts of, of, of ethical medicine seem to have been, like everything else, you know, the norms that we've we've expected um, in the last couple of years have been pushed aside. And I think we've got some speakers due to come on, um, you know, later on, who'll be able to maybe fill in some of the gaps as to exactly how and why this is this has been enabled. Um, but I guess my sort of final question, Steve, um, is, is, you know, when, when will you know that, um, you know, th th things are turned around? Do, do you expect it's going to be a win in the courts? Do you think that it will just be public public pressure, however that's going to um, manifest? Um, do you think it'll just be the sheer weight of, of truth around, um, you know, the medical stuff, the extent of injuries and, and, and deaths? I mean, you know, most people I speak to know at least somebody who's been you know, badly injured um, or, or they've, heard, they've heard of deaths and, and, and it's being normalized that how young people do drop dead suddenly. So there's nothing to see here. You know, what, what are the signs we should look for, do you reckon? Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's not a it's a that's a complicated question, and there is no simple answer to that question. There are lots of rays of hope that uh, give us uh, confidence that we will eventually win this, and it, then it's just a question of when we win it and to to what extent. So, for example, Stu Peters um, believes that his documentary, which has now been seen by over, uh, it's it called Died Suddenly, it's been seen by over 10, well over 10 million people, it's over 11 million on just on, on the Rumble uh, video uh, uh, alone. Um, he said that that documentary is going to lead to the military dropping, the US military dropping their vaccine mandate um, for the military, and that will be big. And so there are shoes that will drop like that that okay this is going to happen and then there's a school that was mandating a, a, a university that was mandating the, mandating the vaccines and two students died and now they're revoking their vaccine mandate and so we're starting to see these cases where people are backing off um their their previous views and they'll they'll always use the excuse to say well, now that everybody is boosted, uh, double boosted and triple boosted, no more need to push the, the vaccine boosters anymore and we can make it a, a, an optional choice. But it's, it's not like anybody is uh, saying, hey, we were wrong, right? It's, it's, I, it's very rare. You know, Asim Malhotra, who was uh, uh, a famous British cardiologist who was pushing the vaccines on TV, his father died six months after he got the, the vaccine, which is the um, in some of my research shows is a sweet spot for 
uh, for death. A lot of people are dying five or six months after they get get the shot. And uh, and so he then started looking at the data because his, his dad was in great cardiovascular condition and he died of multiple blockages. And so he started looking at the data and, and discovered that, wow, the vaccine, uh, you know, caused his father's death. And now he's uh, firmly speaking out. And we need more and more people like uh, Asim Malhotra um, to to speak out and, and make a difference. And I see we got a note here that that I'm I'm over time, but uh, hey, I'm in New Zealand for the next uh, few days here, and so if anybody, if any public health official or any politician or whoever wants to have a discussion either on the record or off the record, um, I'm I'm happy to to chat with anyone uh, you know who's open minded. And uh, and see if we can uh, uh, make some change, because I think it's it's really uh, shifting the mindset of the people who are in power, uh, who have political power now that 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 will move the needle the furthest. Thank you most so people are much. Basically good, right. I'm sorry. Most people are basically good. You know, we've just got to, as you say, target the right people. Yeah. You know, someone who's not afraid to say, hey. We got it wrong. You know, we I, I was misled. You know, I, the same thing happened to me. I was misled. I, I admitted early on that I was misled. I gave people bad advice. The, the sooner you recognize this, the better off you are. The New well, Zealand great blood, pleasure, Steve. Thank you. The, thanks, Matt, too. The New Zealand Blood Service told our parents of baby Will, Steve, to find evidence of uh, the the blood, a blood transfusion causing harm to an infant. The next day we tracked down a woman in Montana, I think you would, We'll send you the interview, actually. And she lost her, her four-month-old, ba- four-week-old baby who had a transfusion and the next day began to develop a clot which moved from around the knee up to the heart. He died at six weeks. So a four-week-old baby who died at six weeks. We did that interview immediately. We put it up hoping the government would listen and soften. That interview was taken down within five hours on our page wow. and we were banned. So we hope that they are good. We hope they will listen today. And you, yes, and that's why we're doing 12 hours of this today, because what's it going to take for a government to listen to its people? I believe it's going to be thousands and thousands of us turning up at court for baby Will and the eyes of the world. It's been an invaluable having you on. Thank you so much, Steve Kirsch. Yeah, my pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you. Hannah. Thank you, Steve. Um, thank you so much, both of you. Um, just amazing the caliber of people that are coming on the stream. And uh, Kelvin, <laughs> how long has it taken us to get this all together? Two or three days? Jeez, I, I stopped counting after the one day bled into another with like a couple of hours sleep a day. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's all absolutely worth it for what's at stake. This isn't just about one baby, although that luckily has become like a rallying cry for us all to wrap around and now push together where we, we would normally be all divided. But on this thing, when it comes to the children, that is where the line cannot ever be crossed. And that's why this effort going forward is so important. So um, Matt and Steve, thank you so much. Uh, you might like to just stay on the line and watch these uh, compilations that we're just going to play. Before we bring on um, Kerry Murray from the United Free Press over in the UK and we start to break down how the mainstream media responded to this story and actually in fact how the story went global. It went nuclear. Um, Liz said you know, once she did the interview she wanted the story to go nuclear. We did all we could to help make that happen and uh, it's happened so let's play um the second clip which is just a compilation of the world headlines and then we'll go straight into uh, the media compilation after that which is video three
Okay, that is the headlines that went global. Um, and, you know, the New Zealand media has just made an absolute mockery of this whole situation. Um, that, and it's, you know, we will break down exactly how they phrase things. And uh, we've got this media compilation now of the news here in New Zealand. Well, a four-month-old baby is caught in the middle of a row between his parents and House New Zealand. He needs life-saving surgery, but his parents don't want him to receive blood from those who have been vaccinated. It's Auckland University medical ethics professor Tim Dare is with us. Tim, good morning. Morning. Who, who ultimately has a say here? Adults have the right to decide on their own medical treatment. Parents, that right extends to children um, uh, for parents. Um, but there are limits. Our freedoms are all limited by the possibility that we might harm other people. And in this case, the other person is the child. And this is a case where the parents want better treatment for their child than the state is offering. And it's, it's gone down this path because we have a government and a blood bank that are not prepared to make available services that they can offer and that they offer in other situations, they're not willing to make that, those services available to this baby. Now Te Order has made an application to put the baby's guardianship into the court so surgery can go ahead, saying today in a statement, we know that it can be worrying when parents have a child who is unwell and are making decisions about their care. The decision to make an application is always made with the best interests of the child in mind following extensive conversations with Vana. When I was in the meeting with them on Friday morning, I asked the surgeon that repeatedly, why are you opposing this? There will be no harm. They've got the blood ready. They, the operation can go ahead. The surgeon's repeated answer to me was, because I don't believe there's any problem with the blood. Extensive conversations with Vana. And that was when they walked out. Is made with the best interests of the child in mind. All they're asking is something better than what the blood service is generally offering. They say that they went to Starship and said, we want clean blood. Um, Starship came back and said, sorry, we, we don't work like that. Um, and why, why do you want so-called clean blood? All we need the government to do is read their own advice on the MedSafe, who are the regulators, about the risks of the vaccine and the uncertainty. We just need them to read their own advice. There's a document called the Risk Management Plan for Common Artery, which is the Pfizer vaccine. And that identifies the risks, including myocarditis and the uncertainties of the elements of the vaccine that they, they don't know what the health effects are. That's the first question I would have asked the parents. Why do you want to be able to dictate what blood goes in your son? We need to have safe blood. That is, that is our right as a mother and as my voice and my baby. Most of us have uh, made a freedom of choice, but this baby doesn't seem to qualify to have freedom of choice. The moment you give parents the right to choose, you end up with a mess of stupidity and scientific prejudices. The, I'm, I'm just sorry, but the, the overwhelming medical advice no, 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 and experts no. in this country that we live today. in is very clear that there isn't a risk. And I wonder... not listening to the, what you asked me a question. You're not listening to my answer. I had a meeting with them yesterday. They confirmed at the meeting they had no way of measuring the blood to see what is in it. And we know that the factors from the vaccine, according to MedSafe's own website, can cause harm. It can cause inflammation, myocarditis. It can cause thrombosis. It can cause anaphylactis. It can okay. cause... Most 
most of the parents' views about the transfusion look unreliable, you know, um, but the court will um, will essentially, I take it, si I suspect, side with the, the doctors on the science. A senior doctor, a senior doctor who, who looks after people's lives, swore an affidavit where they effectively call people conspiracy theorists and that means that we don't have to listen to what they say. What can be done now to get this baby the blood he needs? Well, let's ask Professor Nikki Turner, Director of the Immunisation Advisory Centre. Nikki, couldn't we solve this right now by taking some blood from one of these protesters and get that baby the surgery it needs? No, we need to offer this baby safe, quality blood product. Well, a lot of the people that have offered to give the um, donors for the baby have already are already regular donors for um, the New Zealand blood supply anyway. It's just a case of, of, of saving that blood separately from the okay. baby. What was said to us and the conclusion that we draw is they won't do it, but they can do it, but they just won't do it. Mm. because they never told us why they couldn't do it, they just told us they wouldn't do it. From the bottom of our heart, the New Zealand Health Services are trying to offer the best quality service we can offer them. They're just saying they won't do it. They're not saying they can't do it, they won't do it. Oh, look, I, I would really like to see people be able to sit down and work through where their fears and anxieties came from. Maybe they're fearful about what might happen if they do it and really work them through. These things take a long time and require a lot of trust. So I think this is one example of how we need to try and build up trust again. She was actually very condescending to a lot of the things that we said. Yes. Um, she, she laughed when I said, she goes, oh, is that the only thing you're worried about? There was never an answer. There was they're never an coached, answer. Because yeah. not only are they not offering those services, but they're saying, we know best what's good for your baby and we want you to do it our way. We're going to go into the court and, and make you do what we want to do because we're going to show you where the box. And we said, well, your website has the, you know, that you do direct donor blood services on it. Yeah. And then she said, well, you can't believe everything that's on the website. Yeah, that's right. You're a joke. No. The ideal outcome would be that the blood bank would agree to collect blood from these donors and put it aside ready for this baby to have the operation that he needs. And then supply their blood to the baby. Yes, you could do all of that, but it requires quite a lot of effort and quite a lot of process. I want to come back to the other issue, which is the danger around a precedent here. Are you concerned that there may now be somebody who goes to A&E and demands to have blood that is unvaccinated. The, the hospitals or the, the, will be reluctant to lose this case because um, there's no question that the vaccine sceptics, if, if the court gives the right to the parents, will think, oh, we were right about the danger of the vaccines. And then the question will be, well, can you still respect the parents' view without being seen to endorse the content of their views? And What's happened to um, parental rights. That's exactly you know, yeah. What's happened to yeah. the fact that we're just requesting, can we just put, put, pull our differences aside? This is what we need for our baby. Isn't that an informed decision? You, you shouldn't just give kids random street blood. Um, <laughs> but I, I think they should, they should just lie. Like, that's what I'd do. I'd be like, the, yeah, the, it's the a, medical people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's totally unvaccinated. Yeah, we got it. I just got it now from 
Brian Umbrella and Sarah Watercress. It's uh, <laughs> put it through a tea towel. It's sweet ass. It's yeah. <laughs> Not a crazy solution, Josh. And to me, that was the most horrific thing said by the mainstream media here in New Zealand uh, on the project, making a, making a joke out of uh, this poor baby's life who is fighting for his life. And the only thing that is stopping him from getting the blood that he needs and deserves is the bureaucracy of this country. Um, Calvin, what did you make of that? Well, one of the greatest purveyors of mis- and disinformation in this country is, of course, Nikki Turner, Dr. Nikki Turner. And Dr. James Thorpe from the US has actually openly changed challenged her to come on this platform or any other of her choosing to debate around the so-called vaccine. I call it a jab. I refuse to call it a vaccine because it's not. And um, of course, Liz Gunn just also, to babies. Liz Gunn also did the challenge yes. now, a million dollars. Uh, Nikki Turner, if you want to come and debate Steve Hirsch, she's in the country. Let's make it happen. All right, I would now. track that money down, Hannah. And I oh. would say that um, on that note of laughing, at that baby, I don't know if those people are parents. I think the the main presenter there, I can't remember his name, is one. But how disgusting! I would I would never take you to the hospital ward. But I'll tell you this: I go up to see Sam most nights. She was missing her husband badly last night. Uh, she has these two twins. She has one that's sick, and she doesn't know when this baby's operation is going ahead. And it could go ahead tomorrow if this government forced the New Zealand Blood Bank to release unjabbed or to release the right for them to use the unjabbed blood the parents have lined up. And I looked in that mother's eyes, Hannah, and there was a sadness that was it was as deep as the ocean is wide. You 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 would never laugh about what's happening to baby Will if you looked in Samantha's eyes. Get this operation done. That's why we're here today. But I believe the project as a program should be completely cancelled because of that utter inhumanity they displayed there. It is shameful beyond belief. And to say that's one of the worst moments of the New Zealand media is quite something because in two years we've had so many worst moments from our sold-out mainstream media. They should hang their heads in shame. And having said that, if any of them want to come over and tell the truth, we will still welcome you. But you are on the wrong side, the wrong side of history as it unfolds here with Baby Will's case. And that is a warning to you all.